Would you open your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9? And I want to read about three or four verses from this wonderful garden of God in these two chapters with a main theme focusing on 9.15. Chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. May we bow together in prayer before we read from the Bible. Our Father, we thank Thee for this opportunity to humble ourselves in Thy presence. With that challenging question still ringing in our heart, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? Heavenly Father, we ask You to speak to every one of our hearts. Feed us with the bread from heaven. And may the Holy Spirit do His work of conviction, drawing lost souls to Christ, and compassion and helping others come to know the Lord in a deeper way. Help us to love you, Father, and to thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And in chapter 9, verse 6, But this I say, he who soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he who soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And in verse 15, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. That's the focus this morning. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. It is impossible to speak with worthy syllables the goodness of God and our gratitude to God for His goodness. I suppose the greatest sin among Christians, when you consider all the sins and the seriousness of sin, we could think of the catalog of sins this morning. All of the sins that we're guilty of usually are against people. Some of the sins are against ourselves occasionally. Some sin is directed against God like blasphemy or cursing. But the greatest sin in our lives is the sin of ingratitude. Failing to say thank you, Jesus, for everything that occurs and failing to express our gratitude to others for their goodness to us. Paul said one day, I am a debtor. I feel like that's my testimony. If I had a testimony, verse, and I do. My testimony is four verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16, and Romans 5, 8. Those are my testimony verses. I am a debtor. I am ready. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. For God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And many of us, beginning with this preacher and all of us together, fail to give God the glory. 
We sometimes fail to share our gratitude and thanksgiving to others for their goodness and all the things they have done. Frederick Shannon said this concerning thanksgiving, and next Thursday we'll all be observing Thanksgiving Day, which is a particular, peculiarly American holiday. He said concerning Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving like art teaches us first to see, to see some things we usually take for granted. When we're thankful, when we're thankful, we have a thankful heart, we can see things that we usually and often take for granted. Secondly, Thanksgiving teaches us what to see by discerning and having a discerning heart and a discerning spirit, we can see things we ought to see and overlook things we ought to overlook because we ought not to see everything. And Thanksgiving, having a grateful heart teaches us what to see and what not to see. For example, people's slights, their insults. So many times people go around with hurt feelings all the time. Uh, Somebody hurt me here, somebody stepped on my toes here, Uh, somebody insulted me or somebody failed to speak to me or somebody slighted me. Or I'll tell you, I was walking through the hall at church and here comes this person. I know, I've know, known them for years. They didn't even speak. They just wandered on down the hall. And we see it and we take it personally. Now, Thanksgiving, having a thankful heart teaches us not to see that. And if we do see it, not to take it personally. We need the kind of spiritual discernment that refuses to take things personally. And Thanksgiving teaches us that. Thirdly, Thanksgiving teaches us to see more than we see, to look beyond the externals. It is easy to see the externals and to neglect the eternal. It is easy to see the hands on the clock and fail to see the mainspring. And so many times, because we are not grateful, we do not see well. Two people can look at a same experience, have a same experience, and one can come away absolutely depressed and upset and deciding that he's not going to have anything more to do with those people, and the other person can come away and say, well, you know, I want to get back in the battle there and and get involved. What's the difference? I think the difference is a thanksgiving heart. Somebody has said, I think it was John Henry Jide, that gratitude is a vaccine to prevent the invasion of a disgruntled spirit. It is an antitoxin to destroy the poison of fault finding and grumbling. It is an antiseptic to soothe the wounds caused by trouble and sorrow and trial. How thankful are we? Thanksgiving is a peculiarly American day. Our pilgrims left the old country. Some of them 
later the Puritans coming, but the pilgrims pioneered the way on those ships, those three ships. They arrived here in America, about a hundred of them. That was a hard, hard winter, and that winter 50 of them died. There were only 50 left. And they were discouraged. The Indians came along, it is said, and saw that they were about to run out of food. And somehow those Indians taught them how to plant some American crops and how to cultivate them. And in November of the following year, after having been here one year, so much is built around this season of the year as far as American heritage is concerned. The pilgrims landed here in November after a long voyage over the Atlantic. And then after going through a very, very difficult winter in the northeast of our country, with the snows and the frigid weather, only 50 here in the springtime and the summer, and the Indians taught them how to plant some American crops. And when November came and the harvest came, they, they celebrated a harvest home. Later it became Thanksgiving, but their main celebration was that they were alive. They said, thank you, we're alive. Fifty of us are dead, but we've survived. And thank you that the Indians have taught us how to have some crops. And thank you that we have enough to eat. And thank you that we have each other. Very simple kind of thanksgiving. They didn't have cars. They didn't have beautiful homes to live in. They didn't have all the necessities that we have, the necessities of life. How They didn't even think about a radio or a telephone or a television. They had no idea, no concept at all about those roads that would ultimately go through the wilderness, the railroads that would connect the Atlantic with the Pacific. They had no idea about all of that. They just simply had a thanksgiving heart. Lord, thank you that we're alive. Thursday when we have the day off, some will go to football games. Some will spend the day watching football on the television. Some will go to family gatherings. Some will do various things. I wonder how many of us really have a thankful heart and will say thank you, Jesus, for the little things. Thank you for my mother. Thank you for my daddy. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for my children. Thank you for grandparents. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive. Thank you, Lord, for a job. Or if I don't have a job, Lord, thank you that somehow you've been able to take care of me even if I don't have a job. Thank you for what you've done. And when anybody does any act of kindness, let's be gracious and thankful. How long has it been since you said, Mother, thank you for going down to the valley of the shadow to bring me into the world? How long has it been since you've said, Daddy, thank you for earning a living and keeping the wolf away from my door? How long has it been since you've done that? How long, husband, since you've said to your wife, thank you for being so sweet to me? Thank you for being my wife. Or wife to a husband, thank you for your strength. Thank you for all that you have meant to me as a symbol of strength and manliness and manhood and security. How long? 
How long since we've come to the Lord? And so many times we say, uh, Polly wants a cracker. That's the kind of prayer we do. Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. How long has it been since in prayer we just magnified the Lord Jesus? I like to pray with some of you. As a matter of fact, I like to pray with all of you. But in some specific uh, people that we, we, I've prayed with, uh, first part of their prayer is a praise. Praise to God. Thanksgiving from the soul. Well, in light of all of this, I'd like to suggest, first of all, that we consider some blessings that God has given us. First of all, our universe. We're part of a tremendous universe system. They tell us that if you go out in space, that you go out forever. And if they've ever figured out where forever leads to, some have postulated or theorized that eventually you'd come back this way because space is round. We have a tremendous universe and we're just one little tiny speck in that universe and yet we have things that so arouse our interest and attention and God is permitting us day by day to make ventures into space and we're finding out what's on the moon, we're finding out what's out there, we're enabled to put satellites there, we're enabled to go, these are mind-boggling days as we think of this universe. And I heard the other day that one of our congressmen will soon be going into space as a passenger, sort of pioneering the passenger list. Uh, those are the days that are ahead of us. Some of you who are very young, if the Lord tarries, there is no end to the development in this universe that is going on. And we'll be going out and out and out into space. This is a great age to be alive. We need to say, thank you, Lord. And I want to tell you, dear friends, don't let anybody discourage you about this space age. God will not let us go further than he intends for us to go. So don't let anybody uh, uh, come along and say, well, it's not biblical to do these things. Uh, God is in charge. He is in total charge. How dare any of us think that God's going to let us go any further than he'll let us. He's in complete direction of the whole matter. And we need to praise Him and thank Him for this wonderful time in which to be alive. Secondly, we need to thank God for our heritage. God has been so good to give us all the heritage. You think of the family background. I think from time to time it does good for us to look back into our family tree. And we might find a few skeletons there in the closet. And we might find some that have spent uh, uh, their uh, lives in certain institutions and so on that we might not be so proud of. But I want to tell you, it's refreshing when you dig back in your past and you identify with people who have come before you and you are here because of them. You are a direct result of them. And when we go back and look at our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents and so on, we have a wonderful heritage. Did you ever stop to thank the Lord for your heritage, physically? I think we need to thank God for America. This is the greatest nation on earth. I know that Christianity and Americanism are not the same. I'm aware of that. You can be a godly Christian in Soviet Russia. You can be a godly Christian in Cuba, in China in Albania, in Romania. You can be a godly person for God anywhere. 
But I think we need to say thank you, Lord, for America. There is no nation on earth where there is more freedom. There's no, no nation on earth where we have, as our ancestors, God-seekers who came to this place to develop a nation dedicated to the proposition that all men are to have rights that are equal and that we're to worship according to the dictates of our own hearts. We thank God for America. Let's pray that God will help us to keep this nation strong. I like the thought, peace through strength. Peace through strength. Let's be done with those who would say, let's lay down all of our armaments and let's uh, stop all the nuclear uh, developments and so on. We need strength. And I think the way to have strength in a time like this is to be, the way to have peace in a time like this is to have strength. And I'm thankful for the strength of America. I'm thankful for many of you. How many in this room have ever served in the armed forces? Would you lift your hand? Uh, we're thankful for you. God bless you. Many of you, I, I had a, a meal the other day with E.J. Lamastis, who was our Deacon of the Week last week. And we were talking about the war. And he went into the war during World War II. And he served in the Philippines and in the South Pacific and was in the heat of the battles. And uh, he knew General, he had, he, he had seen General MacArthur and he was there on those front lines. And I want to tell you, I salute him and all of the other military men who through the years have helped make America strong. God bless America. And God bless men and women and young people who have been willing to take their position on the front lines of battle to keep this nation strong. We thank the Lord for that. And we need to thank God for our personal blessings. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. I don't know anybody in this room who, that God hasn't been good to. If God hadn't been good to you, lift your hand. If God has not been good to you, lift your hand. I don't see any hands. All of us, all of us can say God has been good to me. Now that doesn't mean you haven't had any sorrow. You've had some sorrow. That doesn't mean you haven't had any tears. That doesn't mean you haven't had any anxieties. Or it doesn't mean you haven't had any fears. But God has been good. The Bible says God is good to Israel. God is good to his people. No nation on earth has ever had to suffer more than Israel. And yet the Bible boldly says God is good to Israel. And I want to tell you, when you go through sufferings, and when you go through tribulations, and you go through financial hardships, and you go through all kinds of battles, and when the tribulations come and the testing times come, you can look up and say, God, I thank you for these, because I'll be stronger after these. You think of the electric lights we have here and the man that's behind that. You think of Thomas Edison and all that he did. We often fail to remember this. He failed more times than he succeeded. He tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And a man of lesser lesser nobility and lesser uh, con concentration would have quit long before. But after every failure, he said, I learned something. I learned something. And finally, I think it was after 60 failures, he made a light glow 
And do you know, I, I heard that the first time the lights glowed, it was in December, and they decorated a Christmas tree and put those lights on that Christmas tree as, an, as a symbol of gratitude to God because the light of the world came at Christmas time. Every time you see an electric light, say thank you, Lord, for the heritage we have and for the blessings and all the things that, that God has given us. I could go on and on. I could preach for three hours on this this morning, but I must go on. We need to thank God for His supreme gift to us. John 3:16. would you quote that with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We need to thank God for that simple way of salvation. Simple way of salvation. There, you know, if God said, if God had told us some complex way of being saved, we might understand why so many would miss it. But God gave us such a simple plan of salvation. And He said, a wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Don't ever keep somebody who is a, whose intelligence isn't equal to yours, and you look down on them and you say, well, they don't know what they're doing. How do you know they don't know what they're doing? God said, salvation is so simple that a wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Sometimes we look down at little children getting saved and we say, well, they don't know what they're doing. How do you know they don't know what they're doing? Jesus said, the scripture says, a little child shall lead them. And the Bible says the best time to be, to give your life to the Lord is in the days of your youth. God wants every young boy, every young man, every young woman. God wants every one of us to come while we're young and to put our all on the altar while we're young and serve God while we're young. And the simple plan of salvation is that God so loved that He gave. And I want to tell you, when God loves, He gives. When God loves, He gives. You may be able to give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And when you really love, you're not going to have it hard to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You won't have that very hard. You know, uh, I heard about that old farmer and the cultured gentleman. Somehow they landed up in the restaurant at the same time and they were going to eat at the same table. And uh, the old farmer bowed his head, had a word of thanksgiving, and when he finished, the cultured gentleman looked at him and he said, uh, that's an old-fashioned custom, isn't it? Uh, everybody from your, your household do that? And the old farmer said, well, many of us do it, but not everybody in our household does that. Oh, uh, the great cultured gentleman said, uh, those, those must be the sensible, enlightened ones that don't do that anymore. No, no, he said, there are pigs. There are pigs. And you know, there are lots of people that don't give thanks, the pigs of the world. But the ones that do give thanks are those who in our hearts recognize that everything we have comes from God. Now, I want us to think for a moment about checking our vows. Why do we do what we do? I've brought this to our attention a number of times and I'm sure it's not anything new to you, but I want us to check it again today. Why do you serve the Lord? Why do you do what you do? Well, there are three examples in the scriptures of why people serve the Lord. In Genesis chapter 28, there was a man that was a pioneer in tithing, incidentally. He was one of the early tithers. And he said uh, in Genesis 28, 
uh, Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this same stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will give the tenth unto thee. <laughs> That's good. But I think Jacob was one of those if Christians. He said, Lord, if you'll serve me, if you'll do this, if you'll take care of me, if you'll take care of my enemies, if you will be good to me, then Lord, I, I'll be good to you and I'll serve you and I'll tithe. They're the if Christians. Are you an if Christian? Lord, I serve you and I'll thank you if you do this and this and this and this and this. And then in Psalm 116, beginning with verse one, we have the because Christians. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. That's good. And I think all of us would say, Lord, I, I have a lot of reasons to love you and to thank you. And we could give a list, a long, a long list, maybe a mile long, and it would be filled with becauses, because, 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 because. That's a good, good thing. And there are lots of because Christians. There's some if Christians. There's some because Christians. Because God has done good things for me, I'll serve him. The, the problem comes when the tables turn. You know, in life, you're gonna have some tough times. There are gonna be some reverses. There are gonna be some tribulations that'll come. There'll be some times of illness. There'll be times when you stand by a loved one and, and the doctor says, uh, there's no hope. He just has a little while. There are gonna be some times when you check your checkbook and you don't have any funds. There are gonna be some times when everybody will not speak well of you and some will say ugly things about you. Some of them may be true, some of them may not be true. What are you gonna do then? I know some Christians that have tucked their tail and run. I know some people who've just quit got defeated and discouraged, just say, I'm just gonna quit. That's the way they'll be, I'm gonna quit. Those are if Christians, those are because Christians. But I want us to look at another kind in Habakkuk chapter three, beginning with verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no food. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Nevertheless, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's the nevertheless Christian. Do we have some nevertheless Christians here today who would say, Lord, if everything doesn't go my way, and if I don't have a stack of becauses, because, because, because I'll serve you, Lord, if everything turns sour and all it does is rain and there are just clouds and the crops fail and I don't have any of the desires of my heart, still I'll love you and I'll serve you. Oh Jesus, I have promised to love thee to the end. I'm yours and you're mine and I thank you.
You see, thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart. It has very little to do with out, outside circumstances. It has very little to do with what things, what people do or what people don't do or the kind of outside external things that go on. Thanksgiving has to do with the heart. And as we approach this Thanksgiving season, wouldn't it be a fine thing if every one of us could say, Lord, I'm going to resolve to be great, grateful. I'm going to be more grateful for my husband, for my wife, for my children, for my parents, for my friends. I'm going to go by and tell Aretha I appreciate the way she plays the organ. Tell Brother Jim I appreciate the choir. Tell the choir members you appreciate the way they do it. Tell Brother Doug you appreciate all these years that he's involved himself in keeping us on PA systems and radios and so on. Say thank you, Doug. Thank you, Sandy, for playing the piano. Thank you, ushers, for ushering. Thank you, deacons, for deaking. Thank you, teachers, for teaching. Thank you, mother. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, thank you. And most of all, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some people think it's wrong to, uh, mag to uh, give gratitude to anybody but the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, and just speak from my heart a minute, I don't think you can adequately give gratitude to God unless you can give gratitude to people. What you do for the Lord has to be done for people. And we could talk all of our lives thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, and never say a word of gratitude to people who are dying under a terrible load. And I'm not sure God would hear that. Because what we do toward God has to be done here for people. We are the only God some people ever know. And D.L. Moody used to say, I'll win people to myself, and then I'll transfer that, that to Jesus. Selfish are we and thieves are we if we take the glory and do not transfer it to God. But nonetheless, selfish are we and thieves are we if we do not say to our loved ones and to people who have been a blessing, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Now the greatest gratitude, of course, goes to the King Jesus. He is our coming King. He came the first time to die on an old rugged cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He went to that cross and they drove those nails in his hands. They put the crown of thorns on his brow. And there between heaven and earth on a cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And God, for Christ's sake, agreed to forgive men's sins. Not because men are good. Not because they joined the right church. Not because they turned over a new leaf. Not because they quit some old sins. God agreed to forgive men for sin for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. Because of what Jesus did. Jesus was God. He came in human flesh and he died on an old cross for my sins and your sins. And when we receive him and invite him into our heart, he comes in and forgives and saves us. Have you done that? Have you let Jesus come into your heart? If you're tired of your burden of sin, let Jesus come into your heart. The Lord Jesus Christ will change everything about us. And beloved, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, would you just say, Lord, fill my heart with gratitude. Fill my heart with thanksgiving so that I can thank you, Jesus, so that I can thank God's people 
so that I can thank loved ones, so I can thank God. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be in God's house. Thank you for the songs this morning, all the beautiful hymns, and for the people of God who have come together to praise your name. And now we pray that somebody in this room or somebody who has listened by radio who has never received Christ as Savior would open his heart and let Jesus come into his heart today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand, please? Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. What page? 252. Page 252. Would you turn there? And then I'd like to ask you, please, to listen carefully. No one leaving the auditorium. If God has spoken to your heart and you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him as your Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to come today. Take your stand for God. Will you do it for Jesus' sake? God help you do it. Some in this room have already been saved, but you have never been baptized. You need to step out from where you are and come and say, by the grace of God, I want to follow the Lord in baptism. Others need to come and say, I want to become part of this church fellowship and serve God here. Will you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do? Some perhaps need to come and just say, I need to get going for God again. I need to get going for God. Would you come? While we sing, while we pray, let Jesus have his way. Come quickly. We'll just sing two or three stanzas of this invitation.